following audio is from a sermon series on the book of Proverbs. For more information about Sacred City Church, please visit scmoline.com. Hear the word of the Lord from Proverbs 9, 1 through 18. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her young women to call from the high places in the town. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, Come, eat my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live, and walk in the way of insight. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse, and he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer, or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me your days will be multiplied, and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. The way of folly. The woman folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town, calling to those who pass by, who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet. And bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As Pastor Sam said, my name is Steve, and I come over from uh, across the river from the Davenport campus. Uh, we were actually talking earlier, and we determined that the week that Pastor Stam and your congregation got sent out from Davenport, the very next week is when my family decided to come to Sacred City Davenport. So uh, we kind of filled in where you guys left off, so we're excited to be a part of that whole journey. I'm here with my wife, Sarah, and my daughters, Aubrey and Madeline. Um, uh, Aubrey made me a map and left it up here. Uh, this is how to get to the restroom. If anyone needs help, I have this here for you. Um, they also brought books in case daddy's boring, so if you need books, Dog Man's there. I think we got a few other things, so uh, feel free to, to grab that. Um, as we get started today, though, let's pray, and uh, we'll get, uh, dive into this. Lord, we come before you today as uh, people who desire to hear from you. Lord, this is um, a day where uh, we're, on, on one side, we're resting and relaxing and we're, we're thinking about plans afterwards, where we're going to lunch, what we're going to do uh, with this hot weather. And the other side, we're frantic and thinking about the week to come and all the things we have to do and the house has to be cleaned and the, the, the meals planned and all these things that can disturb us and distract us from you. So Lord, as we come here today, I pray that we would um, just rest, 
and relax and take a deep breath. (sighs) Quiet our hearts before you. Lord, help us to hear from you today. Lord, speak through me. May my words be your words, Lord, and let uh, all of us come away with a, a different sense of who you are and who we are in you, Lord. We give all this time and this day to you in your holy and precious name. Amen. So we've been working through the book of Proverbs talking about wisdom. And Solomon, like a good father or teacher would do, they has yet another metaphor or imagery for how wisdom impacts us in our life. And we see that today in our, our text. Uh, in the previous chapters, you may have seen wisdom as a blessing, something that, uh, that is a blessing to our lives. But today, we see wisdom as a generous party host. All right, so we look at wisdom's party. The woman wisdom is preparing this lavish, wonderful spread. It's only the best meat. It's only the best mixed wines. It lays out this lovely spread on the table, almost like a beautiful Thanksgiving meal. All the smells are, are, are tickling your nose, and uh, the sounds must be nice, the, 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 the plates clinkling together, and uh, the silverware being blade out, and you can see Lady Wisdom setting everything up just right for the party. Everything's neat and organized just how she wants it. And when everything's ready, she sends out her maidens into the town, go and invite people to this wonderful party. And the maidens go to all the highest points and they invite everyone who would hear and she says, come. Not just the rich, not just those who have it all together, but the simple. Come, come check this out. And people show up and they give five commands. She says, come on in. Eat my bread. Drink the mixed wine. Leave your simple ways. Walk in the way of insight. Sounds like a great party. Pretty simple. Eat. Learn some wisdom. Sounds nice. Unfortunately, this is not the only party in town. On the other side of the street, you have this other party. Folly's party. And up until now, Solomon's talked about folly as his concept, but now he gives some, some meat on the bones. Here is woman folly. And her party is a little bit different. If Lady Wisdom's party is this nice, wonderful, organized, sweet smelling party, woman folly's party is a rager. It's the one where the, the music's bumping. You can hear it outside before you get in there. The set of the party, it feels really similar. All of this seems like it's, it's almost just like Lady Wisdom's party, except it's a little bit disorganized, a little bit chaotic, a little confusing. You have Lady Wisdom cleaning the house and setting the table and making sure everything's just right, and then you have Woman Folly sitting at the doorstep. Hey! Hey! Come on in, this is great, you're going to check this out, this is so cool. Just like belligerent and obnoxious and, and shouting at people as they walk by. And people like walking by, like I don't want to, like, like she's, she's talking to me, I don't, don't want to talk, talk about that. And she's like, hey, you, you right there, yeah, come on in. This is going to be great. And it says she's seductive. Like, almost like a, 
like a timeshare salesman? All right. <laughs> You're not going to believe how great this party is. Let me tell you, just for a low, low price of like $1,000 a month for the rest of your life, you can come on in and experience this party. It's a rager. It's awesome. Come on in. It's going to be great. Now, you could say that Lady Wisdom and Woman Folly are, are almost reading the same party planning book. Right? You know, chapter one, you have to throw a party. Chapter two, you need invitations, right? They both are inviting people. It's great. Um, you need food. Chapter three is all about food. Chapter four is going to direct this invitation to the simple. Okay, that's pretty specific there. Chapter five. Make that invitation just like this. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. All right, so they're reading the same chapters. Everything looks great. The setup is perfect. And then the path diverges here. It separates. This is where it starts to be a little bit different. It says, those who are foolish enough to enter this party, to accept that invitation to Woman Folly's party, they don't find generous hospitality. They don't find the lavish spread. They don't find everything neatly organized and set up. They don't smell the sweet smells of, of food cooking. Instead, they find something much different. The best wine isn't provided. No, it's just some water. Hey, guess what? It's stolen at that. <laughs> they don't find the finest meats. Just some bread. Here, here's some bread. Good luck with that. And as a final punctuation, you look around at all the party guests at Women Folly's party. They're dead. But it says, isn't it? You like, really recognize that. You're just like, there, like, all right. Party seems kind of dead, but whatever. But they're literally dead. Not exactly a cool party. So, what's going on here? So let's back up a little bit. I said that they're kind of following the same path, same plan here. They both are trying to reach the same type of person, the simple. Now next week, we're going to go into exactly who this simple person is and what this person's like. Uh, so we won't focus too hard on the simple. But the question we have to answer is this. What happens when the simple person accepts the invitation to one party over the other? In other words, where does a life filled with wisdom or folly lead? See, each party offers a promise for this simple person uh, to experience something new. Accept my invitation to my party, accept this path, and you will experience some sort of transformation. The simple embracing wisdom becomes wise, certainly makes sense, right? But the simple who embraces folly, what happens to them? They certainly don't become wise. Instead, what Solomon says is that those who embrace folly become scoffers. So who is a scoffer and why should we care? 
Now, I've never called someone a scoffer. I don't know if you've ever called someone a scoffer before. That's, that seems very harsh <laughs> to call someone. I can't imagine uh, just like in the language, you are a scoffer, man. Like that would be like a punctuation point at the end of a conversation, certainly, uh, if you wanted to ruin a relationship. Uh, it's just not something we say a lot. Um, I, when, when I imagine the, the word scoffer, I always imagine like a, like a face and a noise. <laughs> you know, like one of those kind of things, and maybe you have kids, you know, that face. Uh, scoffing, scoffing, scoffing. So I don't call someone that, but you probably know someone like this. A scoffer, I think, is a combination of a contemptuous cynic and an arrogant critic. Now, the contemptuous cynic is motivated by self-interest, right? Looking after themselves. They say things like, I can't trust this. I, I don't know anything about that. I can't trust it. I'm not going to give myself to this. Uh, this. This seems totally fake. Like, they're going to be the one that goes to, uh, like, the Avengers movie. I'm like, I don't think this is real. You know, like, they're going to look at those things and try to poke holes in it. You know, if it's, if it's not authentic, it's not authentic to me. I don't want to be involved with this. The arrogant critic says, you know, only I know best. You know, I don't know if you know this, but I'm a pretty smart person. I could probably solve your problems if you just ask me. Because you know what you're doing? You're kind of messing all this up. The arrogant critic says, you know, my opinion's rarely an opinion. It's a fact, Jack. This is how it goes. Now, I think there's three things that we should know about a scoffer. So you can combine those, the, the, the cynic and the critic, and combine them, you have um, a super person, the scoffer, scoffer man, whatever, whatever superhero you want to apply to that. There's three things we want to know. The first is this. Scoffer is arrogant and prideful, which seems, seems reasonable. In Proverbs 21, uh, verse 24, it says this, scoffer is the name of the arrogant, haughty man who acts with arrogant pride. Right? The scoffer is someone who carries a, a holier-than-thou attitude, using their knowledge and their status and position in life against people. And I think it's for a purpose. I think it's to protect themselves. Think about this. A scoffer is protecting themselves from the pain of the world around them. Using their pride, their status, their knowledge uh, as a way of, of insulating themselves from things around them, the people that could cause pain. By creating an emotional and mental separation with their sharp comments and their, and their disbelief and their critical stances and their mocking attitude, the scoffer never has to feel pain. The flip side is they never can really feel joy. The author uh, Paul E. Miller says this, to be cynical is to be distant. While offering a false intimacy of being in the know, cynicism actually destroys intimacy. It leads to bitterness that can deaden and even destroy the spirit. Scoffers marked by his arrogance and pride, but it's that same arrogance and pride that deadens and destroys the soul. The next thing we need to know, the scoffer is like a slow-moving wildfire. 
slowly and surely impacting everything and everyone around him. Proverbs 29, verse 8 says this, Scoffers set a city aflame, but the wise turn away, turn away wrath. One of our mission points here at Sacred City is to renew the city. And then you have a scoffer who sets the city aflame. A scoffer finds twisted joy, I think, in tearing something down. Scoffer wants to uh, hurt something to feel better about himself. They may not even realize it, but one comment becomes two, and two comments becomes four, and, and it multiplies from there. And here's the trick about scoffing. You never have enough of it. If you've ever been in that trap yourself where you feel very cynical and you feel very critical, you find yourself saying one thing and then one person says, yeah! And you're like, yo, I'm gonna, you like that? More! I'm going to say another comment. And then pretty soon it just becomes an echo chamber and more comments become more comments and you don't feel good at the end of that, right? You just feel kind of gross. But you did it together at least. City set aflame. The thirst to scoff and mock and criticize is endless. You could really go a long time using that. But eventually it's going to consume you. It's going to consume your family, your kids, your spouse. It's going to consume your MCs, your coworkers. It's going to keep going. The last thing we need to know is this. A scoffer isn't born out of a desire to be a jerk Although sometimes, yeah. Here's the thing. Um, if you just may love being a scoffing jerk, that may be you today, and in, in which case, if that's you, I don't want you to leave. I'm glad you're here. This is the place to be, right? I want, we want you to be here. This is what you need to hear. In this community is where you need to be at, so don't leave. But I think the world helps shape people into scoffers. Second Peter uh, chapter 3, verses 3 and 4, it says this, Scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. On one side, you could look at that and say, here's some people just being jerks and, and, and trying to ruin things. But on the other side, you dig deeper into this, and what they're saying is that we have seen some stuff, man. We have seen sin happening in our world, and it's so frustrating. It feels so heavy on our souls and we just see it coming, and we're, we're told about Jesus, but I don't, I'm just not sure I can trust that. So I'm letting go of that, and I'm just gonna I'm just forget it all. There's too much hurt, there's too much pain, there's too much darkness. A scoffer is a person who recognizes all of that and lacks any confidence that anything is fixable or that anyone can fix it. He looks at the world and says, I don't, this, I'm, I'm out. I'm done with this. I'm washing my hands of it. You guys figure it out. Scoffers built over time, brick by brick, hurt by hurt, frustration by frustration, until there's a wall protecting you. Now maybe that sounds more familiar to you. 
See, every person in this room is susceptible to that. You start to look at the world and you feel cynical towards it. You read a new, a new story and you feel, oh, I don't know about that one. But every instance of the cynicism in your life or the criticism that you, you provide, especially unfounded criticism, it holds the seeds of becoming a full-blown scoffer. If you let that go and don't address that, you'll find yourself living the life of the, <laughs> the scoffer. This issue demands our attention. I'm calling it almost like the greatest hidden plague in our society right now. Uh, I, hidden is kind of a weird word because everyone is a scoffer, it seems like. Everyone is a cynic. Everyone's a critic. And everyone's just like lashing out at each other. We are uh, attacking each other with any new news story, every new post on social media, uh, any s- current event that happens, whether it be political or whatever. We are always out there attacking each other. It's not only acceptable, it's expected. We expect people to do that. So we just ignore it. This is totally normal. We should all be act this way. This is great. But man, that's, that's not the way to go. Paul Miller again says this, the movement from naive optimism to cynicism is the new American journey. Say it again, movement from naive optimism to cynicism is the new American journey. In naive optimism, we don't need to pray because everything's under control. The life is great. I don't need to pray because this is awesome. Right? Naive optimism. You know, I've got sunshine. In cynicism, though, we can't pray. Because everything is out of control and little is possible. So naive optimism, everything is great. I don't have to pray to cynicism. Everything's out of control. I don't even know what to pray for. So I won't. This attitude bleeds into the church, though. Uh, Think about this. There's been scoffing over worship music, right? Uh, Hymns or modern music. Guitar or the organ, bring the organ back. It's too loud, it's too soft. Scoffing. Why didn't you play my favorite song today? You know, I just wasn't really feeling worship today. Just, I don't know, I didn't have my song, so I wasn't feeling it. They're scoffing over buildings. I feel like I'm in Europe right now, this is amazing. Right, where should the coat racks go? What about the coffee? Is the coffee too close to the door? Should it be closer to the sanctuary? I don't know. People are sitting in my seat today. I'm sorry if we're sitting in your seat today. I'm sorry. Um, we didn't see any name tags on them. But man, people scoff over those things. Scoff over the sermon preached. Right? This doesn't apply to me. Like, I heard Sam preach on the same passage in the other in Davenport last week. Why is he talking about the same thing? I don't know. It's really I'm really past all of that. I don't. I, I, I when I was younger Christian, like this whole like talk on scoffing and pride that really applied to me, but not so much anymore. Like I'm I'm so much better than that. It seems um, I've really advanced in my knowledge of this. So I'm just gonna tune him out and just ignore everything he's saying. That's okay. So you tune scoffing in the church. You start to tune all this out. You ignore it. 
You move it away and you say, well, it's not for me. I'm just going to wait for something that reaches me. Meanwhile, as you do this, the heart starts to grow cold. Now, you're not putting logs in the fire, so it starts to die down a little bit. Your mind stops, stops thinking about this stuff and wanders away. Start thinking about how cool you are and how much you already know, so I don't, I'm distancing myself from this. Pretty soon the scoffing stops being about loud or soft or where the coffee should go or should I listen to a sermon. It becomes, should we really offer grace for sinners? Like, I don't know, it doesn't make sense. Like, I don't feel that in my heart to offer grace when someone doesn't like, look like me and act like me. Like baptism, I don't know. Are they just taking like a swim during the church? What's going on here? I don't know. Like, should I, is this person, I, I know this person, and they can't, they're talking about being a new life, as, as a new creation in, in Christ, and I, I don't know if, I don't know if I really believe that, so whatever, I'll just, I'll stand back from that. Communion, every week, really, I don't know. I don't know. You start to see what that scoffer's attitude does to you. It sucks you in. Pushes you down. And pretty soon you're left with just a bitter, scoffing heart. I think the scoffer is one of two things. One, it's either you grew up following woman folly, like we've seen in our passage today, or I think that it's simply the wise person who stopped pursuing wisdom and started believing that their stuff don't stink, man. Like I'm good. You know, the path of the wise and the scoffer can feel similar. There's, it's, there's a search for knowledge. I want to know things. You see that in the scoffer. The scoffer doesn't want to be dumb. The scoffer wants to know things. So they, they ride together this path, and then eventually that path diverges, and you're left with someone who's a scoffer and someone who's wise. If left unchecked, the wise will just simply become the scoffer. And for you today, you may feel like maybe the scoffer is at your doorstep. Like you recognize and you hear yourself, yeah, I scoff about those things. Yeah, my heart is, is feeling that way. What's going on here? It's not the end, though. I think there's three points where the wise and the scoffer diverge. And if we hold on to those things, the wise will stay wise, and the, and the scoffer will, will go over there and be the scoffer, but you will find yourself staying on the path of the wise. So I think there, there's three points here. The first is this, posture. The scoffer will revel in their position while the wise repent of their position. The scoffer will revel in their position while the, the wise repent of their position. Let's look at Proverbs uh, chapter 9 here, verses 6 through 8. says, leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of the inside, talking to wisdom. I mean, it says in chapter, verse 7, whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse. And he who reproves a scoffer, a wicked man, incurs injury. 
Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. So you have the simple who's accepting wisdom and saying, leave behind your ways of, of simplicity and embrace wisdom. Repent of your old ways and embrace wisdom and insight as this new beacon in your life, right? This is the way you're going to walk now. Juxtapose this against the scoffer. And what happens with the scoffer here? Uh, their only aim is to hurt those or maim those who dare try to correct them. They're walking in a way that says, I, I don't want to be corrected. I don't want to be, uh, I'm good. I know what I need to know. So they're speaking out against supposed wisdom in their life. I don't need to know it. So the first divergent point in, in life is, is our posture. Are you someone who revels or enjoys being the most right? Who be, enjoys being smart, the brightest in the room, the best and most knowledgeable? In other words, are you above all of this? Are you satisfied with having a hard heart towards God, resistant to his work in your life? Or are you someone who understands where you've come from, no matter where you are today, and maintain a repentant and soft heart? We see this play out in the Gospels. Uh, There's a parable that Jesus talks about in Luke chapter 18. Uh, Let me read it to us. Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like those other men, the extortioners, the unjust, the adulterers, or even like this tax collector over here. I'm sure he had that same game show voice, sir. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, right? So you have this Pharisee who is very proud of all he's accomplished, the knowledge he's gained, the actions and things he's done. It feels really, really good about this. And the tax collector stands far off. And he says, God, Be merciful to me, a sinner. Says he would not even lift his eyes up to heaven and beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus says this, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other guy. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. See, Jesus is looking at these two people. One person, I would almost say, is a scoffer. Right? Believing all of his stuff is, doesn't stink, and I'm, I'm good, man. Look at all the cool things I've done. And then you have another one that says, I am a sinner, repenting. And Jesus, as that person, goes home justified. Folks, when we adopt the scoffer's posture, you are shutting yourself off from God's blessings. You're saying, God, I'm good from you. Both in the sharpening discipline and correction he provides, but also the, the, the overwhelming flood of grace and mercy. When, you are, uh, when you're that scoffer and you're saying, my position is better, you're saying, I don't need that from God. You're shutting yourself off from that. 
Furthermore, when you take this same posture into your MCs and your fight clubs and, and, you're, and you're here in, in, with, with your church family, what you're doing is you're saying, I'm going to go ahead and just isolate myself from these, these people. I'm going to isolate myself spiritually. I'm going to isolate myself emotionally. I'm not going to allow them to speak into my life and over the things that I need to hear because I don't want to hear it. The fight to keep the posture of the wise, though, is one of surrender and repentance. It's not like, okay, I need to like, add up all the cool things I've done. It's rather just saying, like, I'm, I'm not cool. <laughs> I know a lot of things, but I'm not, I'm, I'm not wise enough. I've grown a lot as, as a Christian, but I'm still a sinner. So I'm coming open, man. It's acknowledging that whatever level of knowledge attained, you are forever, like, whatever level of knowledge you've attained, you're forever in need of wisdom. Right? No matter what you know, you still need wisdom. It's acknowledging that no matter what sin we've overcome, we're forever in need of a Savior. If you adopt the right posture and you're poised to maintain the heart and spirit needed to gain wisdom, and it leads to the next point of divergence, which is your actions. Within our actions, scoffers seek to impose wisdom on others, while the wise seek out wisdom for themselves. Here again, the scoffers seek to impose wisdom on others, while wise seek out wisdom for themselves. In Proverbs, again, back to chapter 9, verses 7 through 9, we see uh, Solomon describing the differences between the scoffers' response to wisdom and the wise's response to wisdom. And you see the scoffer, we, we see that the scoffer is basically threatening violence and responding with violence towards wisdom and correction in their life. It's so set upon protecting that, th- their own beliefs, their own sense of knowledge and wisdom, that they're willing to hurt people to do so. It says... Violence is the response, be it emotional violence, spiritual violence, actual physical violence, mental violence. It's not that they don't lack wisdom. They, they feel like they know everything. So you're insulting me when you come at me with corrections and knowledge and wisdom because the scoffer knows everything. Proverbs 14.6 says, A scoffer seeks wisdom in vain, but knowledge is easy for a man of understanding. It says they seek wisdom in vain. They, they, they don't want to be dumb. They want to be smart. They want to feel smart. So they're looking for it, looking for wisdom. But it's all in vain. And Solomon says, you know what? Just avoid them. Just avoid the scoffers. They don't want to hear it, so don't waste it. But I think he's talking less about like, the instructions to the wise and what we should do with scoffers, and more about the attitude that scoffers tend to adopt. The scoffer wields their supposed wisdom like a sword. Wielding the sword, and they're looking to poke holes in arguments. They're looking to attack whenever possible, stabbing those around with comments, their dismissive attitude. Feels good and right to impose that knowledge. But they also wield their supposed wisdom like a shield, Deflecting off correction, deflecting off coaching from, from someone in their MC, deflecting off in, uh, a new word from, from the Lord, 
fighting back, protecting what is theirs. They have no time to change their attitude, no time to be challenged in their beliefs. They're always protecting. That's the nature of the scoffer to be set in, the party line established, to prove that they're right and lambast the wrong. Juxtapose this, though, against the wise. We go back to Proverbs chapter 9, verses nine, or 8 and 9 here. It says this, Reprove a wise man or correct a wise man. He will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will still be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. Now, when you consider the wise person, those courageous enough to embrace wisdom, and the downward mobility that enables wise living, you'll find a person whose heart is open, is warm, soft, able to hear and receive instruction. You'll find someone coming with open hands, willingly, admitting that uh, I come from a simple and sinful past. They're forever grateful that wisdom that Jesus has called out to them and counted them worthy not only of insight, but of life. This person loves instruction so much so that if you offer them wisdom, they will love you for it. You're my new best friend. Thank you for sharing this good word with me. Thank you for correcting me where I was wrong. Thank you for speaking out against something dumb I said. I love you, man. Thank you. More of that in my life. That's the wise person's heart. They desire it, I think, because it gives them the opportunity to learn how to bless more. It gives them the opportunity to learn how to, 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 to love deeper, to show greater mercy, to offer more grace, to forgive sooner. They'd rather walk rightly in wisdom than avoid the embarrassment of being called out. So are your actions more like the attacking scoffer, sword and shield, or like the gracious people of wisdom? Are you still seeking wisdom for yourself? Or have you quit? Say, I'm good, I've arrived, I'm, I'm smart enough. Do you believe that you are forever growing and learning, or are you done, set in stone, done growing? Are your MCs filled with the language of cynicism and criticism? Are they filled with loving instruction, encouragement, and correction? How do you speak to your children? How do you speak to your spouse? What do your coworkers experience from you? When you're with your friends, what's the conversation like? They fall into the things you dislike and complain about the things that you would do differently? If you find yourself lining up with more of the actions and the mindset of the scoffer, check your heart. Your actions, your words, your comments, your conversations are the quickest way to identify the scoffer within you. Do a daily audit. Go ahead and do it right now. Think about yesterday. What's it like to be around you? How do you talk with people? Could you even go a day without cynicism or criticism? With posture and actions in line, the final point of divergence is that of the future, the outcome of all these things. Scoffers 
will scoff unto death, while the wise will trust unto life. Scoffer will scoff unto death, while the wise will trust unto life. Proverbs 9, 10 through 12, it says this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me your days will be multiplied and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. And if you scoff, you alone will bear it. Solomon is revisiting a common refrain we've maybe heard throughout this, this series. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I mean, I don't know if there's anything more comforting. If you are seeking wisdom, if you desire in your heart to seek wisdom, Listen to the request here. You don't have to be smart. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to come from a rich family. You don't have to have uh, kids who listen well at this point. You don't have to have a perfect family. You just need to come. Lady Wisdom says, just leave your simple ways and live. Trust in this. If you want wisdom, know and trust the Lord. That's the beginning of wisdom. Just fear the Lord. The beginning of wisdom is not uh, go to Porterbrook, but you should. You should. <laughs> it's not get a seminary degree so you know what you're talking about. It's not have a college degree or have a, a well-paying job. It's just the fear of the Lord. Tremble in reverent awe before God, and you'll find yourself on the path to wisdom. Sound familiar? Face of the gospel. Repent of your ways. Turn away from your old life and believe, trust in the Lord. You'll find new life. It says that years will be added to your life as you live and walk rightly in wisdom. Your task in all of that as a wise person is to simply trust wisdom. Trust in Jesus, who is the the truest experience of wisdom. Jesus will carry you into a deeper experience of life and kingdom living than you could ever do on your own. And this is the hope. Just hold on. Just hold on. Trust in that what God is saying to you, what God is doing is enough. Contrast this with the experience of the scoffer. Solomon tells us that the scoffer alone will bear the brunt of their waves. In those last moments, the scoffer will look around. No one's going to be there. It's just them by themselves, scoffed into oblivion. Think about Woman Folly's rager. It wasn't a party. It was a funeral. There's dead people everywhere. New Living Translation says this about verse 18. Her guests are in the depths of the grave. It's a funeral. If you walk that path, man, the only, the only pathway forward as a scoffer, if you continue down that path, is certain emotional and spiritual death. Being cynical and critical is a degenerative disease. It slowly breaks you down, breaks your spirit down until you're nothing but bitterness and anger. The scoffer's only relief in life is to continue to add bricks to their wall, further isolating themselves, further hardening, further darkness, just wall it all off, I'll just be by myself in the end. 
This is the curse of the scoffer. If, if you continue down the path of folly. But there's another way. If you're sitting in this room today and you're feeling like, I'm on that path. There's another way for you today. Choose Lady Wisdom's path. The command's still there for you. Just leave. Leave your simple ways. Leave your scoffing ways. And live. Listen, I get it. It's hard. It's hard to look at our world today and wonder if anything's going to be made right. You're probably sitting in your life going, this is the worst experience of my life right now. I don't know what to do. I don't know who to trust. I don't know what's going on. I, I can't handle it. But hear this. If anyone deserves to look at our world and be totally cynical and critical, to be a complete scoffer, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. When Jesus left his throne in heaven, came down to sit shoulder to shoulder with a broken, sinful world, to sit with all of us and experience it. And he lived the perfect life. It was a sinless life. He lived a life that we are all striving to live. And you know how we rewarded him with it? By beating him by punishing him, spitting on him, hung him on a cross. Thanks for playing, Jesus. So if anyone that's here in this room, or anyone who's ever lived, anyone who's not in this room today, if anyone could be a justified scoffer, we all say, yep, you're totally allowed to be a scoffer, it would be Jesus. But Jesus doesn't stand back as a scoffer would and figure it out. Figure it out by yourself. Instead, he jumps into our world and says, I will take it on myself. I will put it all on my shoulders. The weight that you feel as a scoffer, the weight that you feel in your life, the darkness that feels like it's surrounding you, Jesus says, give it to me. Give it to me and place it on my shoulders. I will take all of it. And he took it to the cross and says, it is finished. He sees the unlimited potential in our world that's woven into the fabric of all of God's creation. And he says, this is worth it, and he works to restore it to his glory. That's what we're doing here as a church, right? Renewing cities, making disciples. We believe that's true. Jesus takes what the scoffer cannot possibly fathom or understand, and he takes it upon himself. And he says, I got this. And not only that, he says, scoffer, come into the fold and come and be a part of this. It's not too late. So I ask you today as we close, will you trust Jesus once more? If your heart is cold, if your heart is is scared, if your heart is not willing to trust, will you trust Jesus once more? He is inviting you into that. He is calling you to walk the path of the wise, not only to be, to be wise, but to live and to experience new life. Will you let your cold, dark heart feel the spark of renewal and hope once again? Will you fix your posture through repentance and embrace the wisdom by trusting Jesus and live again? As you go to the communion, Jesus is inviting the wise and those with scoffer tendencies to the table. To the scoffer, 
Communion's like snack time. Oh, I get some food in church, it's cool. But to the wise, it's a reminder that this world has hope and that you are all part of that. Let's pray. Lord, we, th- we thank you for today and your word that it's, it's not too late. Lord, we come as, as people that all have scoffing tendencies, Lord, that we all have uh, a mind that wants to, um, to, to, to not trust, to be cold and dark. And I pray that as we take communion, Lord, that you would just remind us that you've got this. We can trust you again. Lord, draw us out. Give us that spark of of renewal in our hearts, of hope. And Lord, let us come with an open posture, ready to embrace you. Lord, we thank you for all of this. Thank you for your son, Jesus. We ask this in your holy and precious name. Amen. Um, but for Jesus to, to look at the brokenness of the world, to step into it, the definition of courageous, right? I, I see what's here. I see the brokenness. I can fix it. I can change it. I can make an impact. And as you come to the Lord's table this morning, the invitation is to be courageous, right? To, to not just look at the brokenness on the outside of the world, but to take a look on the inside. Man, look, look at my heart. Something's off. Something's wrong. I'm broken. And it takes courage to admit it, right? It takes courage to admit it, at least in a meaningful way. And so as you come to the Lord's table this morning, come with a courageous heart of, of confession. I'm broken. I need to be fixed. And as you take the Lord's Supper, as you take the, bo- the, the, the bread that's broken that represents Christ's body broken for us, the blood that was shed for us, that, that's the courageousness of Christ being expended on our behalf. And as you take this meal, this is a meal that turns us into a courageous people. Right? Go, go through the Old Testament over and over again. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. It's a call for, for those who trust in God. And so as you take this meal, be strong and courageous. Know that God is, is using you. It's, it's a meal that's, that's creating a, a drive inside of you to be the change in the world that God is wanting to do. To, to take part in the renewal. To not just stand back and be the scoffer and say, oh, this is messed up. They say, yeah, it's messed up. But look, God has moved toward us. God is moving in. He's sending us into our city to make disciples, plant churches, and renew the city. So let's take and eat. Let's be courageous people. Let's not fall into the folly of the scoffer. Uh, The men who are serving will come forward.